0: Hey fellas, uh, was not able to make the podcast this week. Um, so first time, first time caller, long time listener here, uh, just wanted to, uh, share some thoughts on the Michigan State game. Um, I was told that, you know, nobody else in the podcast has actually watched the game. It was, it was only me. Um, I spent the entire weekend in Ann Arbor, uh, drinking, you know, a trillion beers and, and, uh, going to the Maryland game, had a great time. Um, be able to come home and, you know, watch the Michigan State game hungover. it just really all, all around Austin at college football. Um, but yeah, no, this is a terrible team. This, this team is not good. We're, you know, there were, the, uh, we, we, like to follow this podcast. We do bits, we do jokes. We love to, you know, have our funny little inside jokes with each other. Um, but it only goes so far, uh, and the respect of it for Michigan State Really only goes so far. Um, when you get absolutely dog walked at home, uh, by PJ Fleck, uh, and, you know, AARP recipient, uh, Tanner Morgan, um, you, you've, the bit no longer works and, and we, we don't have to give you respect anymore. Um, if, if Jim Harbaugh loses this team or finds a way to lose to this team, we're, the podcast is gonna is, is gonna be over. It's not it's not something we're gonna do anymore. Um I will be, become, you know, a hermit, completely unreachable, uh but you know, through social media. Um this team got embarrassed. This is the second week in a row that the score does not reflect how badly Michigan State got their ass beat. Um they were getting out and gained like two hundred fifty to one at some, one point. They did not score a touchdown until garbage time, you know, with the, with their backup quarterback in. Um they they can't run the ball. Uh Peyton Thorne is kind of reverted back to his early season form, just not playing great. He's not the worst part about this offense, but he's he's not helping in any way. Um they've got a couple good receivers, but they can't run the ball at all. They can't protect, and this defense is just horrendous. I mean, they've got good defensive tackles, and that is it. Um, Ben Van Sumerin I know we're all gonna be shocked to hear this, but uh despite what you know a lot of Michigan State insiders and beat writers have uh, said in the off season, um, he sucks and is bad at football. Uh it's crazy that a guy that's been bad at football his entire career is also bad at football this year. Um it's uh so he's bad. Uh the defensive ends also bad. Um I think it's I'm not sure. I just got a beat from Ace's voicemail, so it might not be recording anymore. Um but yeah, no, this is a bad All right, well this is a this I I got timed out by the first voicemail, this is the second one. Um yeah, this is uh, the the defensive ends who, you know, were much hyped up for the first two games. Uh for the second game in a row did not even come close to touching Panamore one time. Um and uh you know Scotty Hazleton, who almost certainly is going to be a sacrificial lamb after this season, um, is uh, tried to bring more pressure. He tried to play more press coverage, but they just don't have horses anywhere on this defense right now. I mean, they these these cornerbacks are terrible, um, and they look terribly coached. Uh, con- considering you know the the man being paid nine point five million dollars is currently you know. In charge of coaching the defensive backs and, and the cornerbacks specifically, they look horrible. Um, and, you know, the, the safeties are bad and, and, you know, all the stuff we've already said. Um, so they they, I mean, they just can't stop anyone. Uh, Minnesota only stopped themselves by, you know, kind of calling off the dogs a bit in the second half. Um, this team is, I don't think, gonna make a bowl. Like, they might lose. They've got, uh, they've got Maryland next week. Maryland, then Wisconsin, then Ohio State, then Michigan. Um, They – I don't know. I put the over-under on wins in that group at .5. Uh, I mean, we saw what Maryland – you know, I think – we'll we'll talk about this on the premium bot, but I think Maryland's offense is legitimately good, um, and that means that they will absolutely tear this defense to shreds next week. Um, So, with all that said, it's going to be very funny when Michigan finds a way to lose this team. Um, And – uh what else what else is there really to say? Um they I I think I think it's understandable to have a little bit of a dip in year three. We've seen this with a lot of the coaches. This this roster is really devoid of talent. I don't know who gets drafted on this team. Um but that said, it should not be this bad. Getting beat like this two weeks in a row is a huge red flag. Um getting embarrassingly blown out like this in, in consecutive weeks against teams that are I guess Minnesota, I think Minnesota is probably very good, but against, you know, Washington, I don't think is anything special. And you should just never be absolutely embarrassed like this at home by, you know, a team that you, on paper, have more talent than. Um, so I think I think there's some real red flags. And it's it's been pretty rewarding to see a lot of MSU Twitter um, take pretty hard turns on Mel Tucker. I, I didn't think it would happen this quickly, but, uh, you know, um The wonders never cease. Anyway, uh, talk to you guys all on Tuesday.
1: Welcome to the Bucket Problem episode 60. I am your host, Ace Ambender, and I'm joined today by Taylor Fulton and Connor Southard. We are, as always, presented by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet. We're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we are Meet at Midfield Production. Michigan is coming off a thirty-four to twenty-seven win against Maryland. That was both that close and not really that close. Uh, this is the uh, uh, was a real big. It all depends on your uh, perspective, type of a game. Um, Connor, I believe, uh, was also watching on TV. Um, I have finally left the uh, uh, my little roost outside of his window because uh, we don't need it anymore for reasons that we're going to get into later. Um, and uh, Taylor was actually at the game. So Taylor, uh, I'm going to throw it to you. How are you and how was homecoming?
2: Oh, hi. So yeah, I just got home maybe 20 minutes ago and I actually am not really that tired. I quite enjoyed everything for homecoming i didn't really do any like ho- official like homecoming festivities i'm not like a nerd or anything um <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm i'm cool
3: uh, i've never but, done any of that stuff either i don't it's, it's
1: definitely not do townies. people really
2: do those things taylor
3: like- taylor and dan were at all of the uh cool greek life events that you listener of this podcast <laughs> were not invited to uh it was just like undergrad they, they were way cooler than you and having way more fun i don't want everyone to know that And I was a townie,
1: so I was pretending to be way cooler than everybody else, even though we absolutely were not. So I have no idea what sort of like the like standard is for homecoming activities and whether that's a thing people do or not. Um, But I think it's definitely more of a thing for people who want to visit Ann Arbor uh, and come back as opposed to a thing for people who uh, grew up there and lived there.
2: (laughs) That's completely true. Yeah. Like ace's homecoming is like walking like two blocks um but anyway <laughs> my,
1: my homecoming is the uh the wednesday before thanksgiving
2: <laughs> that is completely fair uh but anyway it was really lovely i saw a bunch of my college friends um i tried to convince them to listen to our podcast i'm not sure if they do but if, if you if you are shout out guys uh how's it going um anyway a uh, really nice time a tailgated right outside of big noon saturday uh where you were not allowed to make urban mire signs i would like so to point soft. that out um oh my god i i want to test this again if they ever come back because i do want to maybe put up a sign that's like go jaguars and see if that's allowed um <laughs> also as of recording time uh the jaguars are definitively beating the chargers so if if you are a fan of another big 10 program first of all why are you listening to this second of all um <laughs> Second of all, I just want to tell you, watch what is happening in Jacksonville right now. That is his most recent body of work. Stop with this. We are done with this discourse. If you are Arizona State, if you are Nebraska, I am begging you to stop. Anyway. No,
3: no. I- well, well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I would love <laughs> Nebraska to hire Urban Meyer at this point. Um, okay. I, I, I mean, they they deserve it like i'm sorry uh i'm still i've not forgiven them for this for the stuff we discussed previously 1997 the crusade continues (laughs) 1997 they have a lot of karmic debt uh they're gonna be paying that off until 2097 as far as i'm concerned so please hire washed up uh urban meyer who's wearing you know tinted glasses uh on a pregame show because he's probably hungover. um hire that guy (laughs) and see how it goes
2: uh, anyway um but I did just very quickly want to say like homecoming was lovely just because you get to see all your friends you get to see people um and explore the campus and just kind of see um see the city that that kind of I guess in a way made Michigan fans and uh, made me who I am um who really needs to be there and I'm sorry to be all warm and fuzzy and whatever um also there was a brief chance that I was going to have met the legendary Thick Staskus for the first time. Um, I've never met him in person, but unfortunately that did not happen because i am washed and i went to bed early so um once once we found out once my friends and i found out that the last word had an hour and a half wait
1: time oh at uh, the last word
2: at the last word my okay favorite bar the bars this...
1: were out of control apparently
2: <laughs> right yeah the bars were silly and um an hour and a half wait for the last word is just upsetting um sponsor us last word um please. yeah that's
1: probably like 15th uh on the list of like I would have to get way down the list of Ann Arbor bars before I would guess that place would have a 90 minute wait.
2: Yeah, and apparently Mash didn't have a line. But anyway, we're getting Weird. we're getting into the nitty-gritty. I'm going to stop, yes. but I do want to say just like lovely to be there. It's really a cool atmosphere and it just kind of reminds me why I'm a football fan, especially like being at the game. Um I went to the game with my like best friend um and it was just really nice to be there and kind of remember a little bit of why i love michigan so much and michigan is a huge reason why i got very much more into football than i used to be um i was always like a casual football fan um obviously i'm a bill's freak now but michigan kind of like got that in got me like that interest back and it's it is really cool to kind of be back there and, and watch the game with a new set of eyes um now doing this stuff um, with you and, and the website. And it's just really cool to kind of be there and have all of these things kind of happen at once and, and experience all those things together. So uh, enough of those warm fuzzies. Uh, that That's, yeah, we have to talk about Maryland at some point where the fuzzies <laughs> get less warm. That so.
1: That is true. Uh, Connor, uh, I think you've got
3: something along those lines. Yeah, Ace, I need to address this issue oh, regarding, no. the, regarding the play calling. Actually, I'm not that angry about it anymore. There were moments in the game uh, that I was very frustrated, and really, I know I wasn't alone because Joel Klatt kept commenting on the sort of incoherent, uninspired play calling that was alternately doing the you know thing I've seen Harbaugh teams do all too often of like getting way too cute. The attempted pass where you fake you know a reverse and ha- supposedly have Ronnie Bell pass the ball, but no one was fooled because they hadn't run anything that would look like that, so no one was like tricked by it. Which just is deeply frustrating um or you know like clatt was commenting on that and also just getting really predictable at times like there were a lot of sequences that were the patented jim harbaugh you know run run pass you know everyone knows where the ball is going stuff um there was the deeply weird attempt to have isaiah gash act like he was uh hassan haskins which just made didn't get I, that
1: i mean i, I, mean, I, I think yeah, he's trying I, to save blake corn from carrying the ball 40 times but uh there might have been other ways.
3: I mean, go, let let, let Max Bredesen do that. Like he's shaped like a fire hydrant. Like give him the ball if you're going to do that. Kind okay, of I'm
1: stuff. not sure that would have necessarily <laughs> been my solution either. I just want to get that on the record. Well, too. no, but I guess I'm just saying, like,
3: <laughs> I, I'm pointing out that like there are a lot of things in this game. I, I I honestly don't know fully how the play calling is supposed to work. I I like to think it's not really the sort of tripartite committee of weiss more and harbaugh if it is that is obviously a problem that's never worked that well for michigan we were told last year that gaddis was decisively calling plays again who knows exactly what's happening but like that's that was the best offense that harbaugh had had i have high hopes for this offense still so like get that sorted out probably just have one play caller guys but i think also there's a deeper thing that i find very interesting which is that there aren't too many things about jim harbaugh as a football coach that i think are just objectively wrong or bad i think the one is that the one that I most strongly react to is that I think when Jim Harbaugh gets into a close game with a team that he believes is inferior, and the data that's coming into his brain on the sideline tells his you know deep coaching instinct brain that even though this is a nail-biter of a game for most people watching it, like Michigan has the upper hand, we just need to trust our defense, we need to play for field position, we need to play conservatively and not make mistakes, I think he does that. At certain points against inferior opponents, I think Rutgers last year was a sort of canonical case of this, and this game in the second half also had a lot of it. And I think he's just incorrect. I think he's incorrect for one major reason, which is that, well, I think maybe two. The first major reason is in the math. era of explosive. Well, Matt, so there's Matt, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sorry, I, think... I didn't mean to derail you there. <laughs> well, I think the thing is though, like, there's probably a math case to be made, right? Because he's like, if we don't make mistakes. You know, we can trust our defense. We have the lead; like it's going to be fine. Like there probably is a mathematical case that could be made there. But what I'm talking about is more: we live in the era of explosive offenses. So you're always just one play away, and really you're one play away from in, in any phase of the game, whether it's defense, offense, or special teams. You're one play away in a close game from catastrophe against a lesser opponent, and thus you must always play as if it is imperative that you score right yeah um you must always do that and like yeah like don't you know don't put yourself in position to throw bad interceptions and i know that maryland's game plan was entirely to try to confuse jj mccarthy in the passing game and like god bless them they're not a good defense dropping eight guys turned out to be a great idea um i hope michigan has an answer to that because otherwise penn state will do it with better athletes and that'll be a problem but I'll stop rambling here, just make the point. I think Jim Harbaugh is just incorrect about this. I think you always have to play as if you're going to try to score as hard as you possibly can on offense now. You can't burn downs doing weird stuff, which I've seen Harbaugh teams do over and over again. I don't agree with that. I think it's wrong. And the one thing I will say is that I accept that this is just part of having Jim Harbaugh as your coach. But I'm registering my objections, and I think that the best thing they could possibly do is to hand over play calling duties to one of the two co-OCs and get this sort of this muddled sensibility out of the offense see
1: i i i mean i had an issue with a couple of individual play calls um but i mean Michigan gained seven yards for play in this game eight and a half yards per pass attempt and that was with jJ McCarthy missing some deep passes that they dialed up for him that were open and we will get to that um and they averaged six point one yards per run um and but to your point i was Absolutely, beside myself when, I mean, because Maryland leads this game for most of the second quarter, Blake Corm rips off that touchdown run with 22 seconds left in the first half on fourth down, and that completely swings the momentum, especially since Michigan is getting the second half kickoff. And then, once they get the second half kickoff, they drive it down into Maryland territory, and instead, like, face a I want to get this perfectly right um yeah they faced a fourth and two on the Maryland 49 yard line and this was right after they had tried to use Isaiah Gash uh to get to convert a third and four on a run and I assumed that absolutely had to be a play call to set up going for on a fourth down and instead they sent Brad Robbins out there and I thought they were Pretty fortunate that Maryland didn't respond with a score. Maryland got out to midfield um, and it turned out nobody scored in the third quarter. But Michigan, I I thought Jim Harbaugh very conservatively passed up a chance to make this much less of a game than it was at a much earlier time.
3: Yeah, so the gash, I think we could all agree the gash play was the worst play call of the year. Just made no sense to send him out there to do that. Especially when you're, especially if you're going to punt on the next play. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so, so here's what I, let me clarify what I'm saying. I think overall, Michigan made plenty of choices that I appreciated, like going for it deep. And we've all noted that JJ McCarthy just happened to miss some wide open plays that he will probably hit at points later in the year. I agree with all of that. I think most of the game, the play calling was fine. There were just key moments like that that just happened to feel, they maybe felt higher leverage than they were. But there were a few series, especially in the second half, where it just felt like the sense of urgency was not there. The play calling got very conservative, and more to the point, predictable. Um, you know, just a lot of runs up the middle, basically.
1: I, I almost and, would have, like I would have been good with predi- like Corn was averaging eight yards a carry. I think the problem was when they were like throwing a couple screens instead of just being like, you know what, we could just keep doing this and we will win.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's I think that's that's fine. I, I guess it's hard to capture what I what I really mean, which is that this sense set in that we're very familiar with from Harbaugh. Again, Rutgers last year being a great example where it's just like, you know, Michigan isn't going to push things here. They're going to at least turtle in a vibes sense. And tr- And I, I also hate the idea of trusting your defense, by the way. This is partly a like throwback to the Don Brown era. Like you can't trust even the, the greatest possible defense, especially against a good offense like Maryland, because all it takes is one play for the whole thing to fall apart. I think Harbaugh just has those instincts that come from his background playing a long time ago. That are just not correct, and they still bleed through, even though I mostly like what this offense is doing. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, I hear you. I think I think the feelings are a lot different coming out of that game if McCarthy connects on one or two of those earlier. Um, but it's also hard to shake some of the vibes from after a game like that, which I guess leads to my pick boot because uh, Michigan's post game win expectancy in this game, according to ESPN's Bill Connolly, was ninety four percent, and I think that's pretty good for. Uh, Michigan kind of playing a stinker of a game, uh, you know, having, while well, they got, certainly got a couple breaks in their direction. They, they also had a, a, you know, a couple go the other way. Um, and you know, they were without a couple of their key options. They don't have Donovan Edwards, uh, which I think is a more temporary thing. They're without Eric all, which unfortunately sounds like a much less temporary thing. Um, they're without Nakai Hill green. We'll see about that. Um, and they're without two starting offensive linemen. Um, and they hadn't played a team that is at all good at football uh, yet. Um, so I get, especially during the game, why this was not a fun watch. Um, I mean, I I didn't exactly have the world's greatest time myself, but it was a very interesting experience. I was doing this game, uh, on playback with Patrick Bayhorn for uh Beat a Midfield, Beat of midfield.com Uh please subscribe. Um and we did those every weekend and we're this was the first time we had done uh you know putting our commentary on a Michigan game. And part of that experience is turning the broadcast sound way down. So I was only catching bits and pieces of what Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt were saying. Um and also I was off Twitter for pretty much the entire game. And the experience of leaving that because Patrick, you know, very neutral observer, not a Michigan fan, not a Maryland fan either, doesn't have a rooting interest in that game, and was just, uh, you know, mostly approaching it from a you know an interest in the way these teams were approaching it, approaching the game schematically, and from early in the game, both of us felt that things were pretty unsustainable for Maryland and that Michigan was going to win, and it was just a matter of when. Um, they pulled ahead and so coming back on Twitter was like, you know, the the gif of Donald Glover walking and in, walking into the room with the pizza and, and community. Um, it was a little like, oh, the ribs on fire. Okay. Uh, oh, you
2: didn't like all my tweets where um when I got cell service, I would continually tweet, I am in hell. Oh, you didn't like those? You didn't appreciate those? Those were I, a different vibe?
1: I can legitimately say I didn't see those because unless you tweeted them after a game, like, I didn't see any live tweets. And Whoa. let me tell you, that was great. It was so good. uh I should probably do that more often, except I also feel somewhat obligated to live tweet these games. But it, it really like when I'm talking to other people about the Michigan game, it feels like I'm talking to people who watched a different ball game in a certain sense. And I think some of that is because like I'm talking to people who are, who are either at the game um, with other Michigan fans where when you're at the game, it is so easy, especially during commercial breaks to just get pent up nerves about whatever's going on. And I like, I understand the people who are physically at the game, especially since you don't get the benefit of replay, like blowing shit out of proportion in the moment. I totally get that mood. Um, And then the other people who were watching the game were people kind of feeding into each other on Twitter. And it was, you know, I had watched the game while trying to announce it somewhat objectively and doing that with another person. And I came out feeling okay because it was like, I mean especially doing that while we were calling, um, you know, we were doing score updates throughout the whole game. So we're also looking over and seeing Kent State, like, slowly put up 22 points on Georgia while uh, kicking multiple red zone field goals, which was infuriating. (laughs) Uh, But, like, uh, you know, even the very best teams have their stinkers, and, and for Michigan to still win theirs in a spot where like a trap game loss would have been kind of uh, easy to explain in hindsight in terms of Michigan played such a bad non-conference schedule that I don't think it properly prepared them uh, for facing a team even as decent as Maryland. Um, And, I mean, we've we've seen Michigan lose these games before and very good Michigan teams lose these games before and teams that had good coaching lose these teams before and we've seen that with teams uh outside of michigan too so i think it helped me to kind of take that more like i am watching this from a national perspective instead of i'm watching this as a michigan fan and i mean there was still some of that and i still uh was deeply frustrated particularly by the the fourth down punt um or i guess the fourth and two punt in uh opponent territory fourth down punts are, are okay um <laughs>
3: No, they are not. <laughs> you can't put Let's not, not let that. Kirk Ferris get first. <laughs> Kirk Ferris. is not going to pull a fast one on us. Um, look, Ace, that was remarkably mature and Zen to the point where I'm a little bit worried about you, honestly, uh, <laughs> but, but I applaud you for, for approaching that way. I'm just going to briefly say, I think what concerned me was Maryland was better than I thought they would be. And I do suspect their offense will turn out to be the second best one. We play their offensive line was especially surprising. And their defense, while not good, had an excellent game plan. And it just felt like, to your point, this was the kind of thing that Michigan could lose. And I really didn't want that because I think Michigan has a shot to make the playoff. So that was what was driving me up the wall rather than catastrophizing about, oh, Michigan is so bad. It's more like, wow, we're flat. And this is a good, pretty good team that showed up to play. And, you know, that's frustrating.
1: I should add that I I was... Um, one more major Michigan error away from completely falling apart. So I don't want it to seem like I am totally just, you know, Buddha here watching these games. Uh, it was not quite that, uh, but I, I I just had that, that persistent feeling, especially when Maryland didn't capitalize on Michigan being so conservative in the third quarter that, uh, you know, as long as nothing weird happened, Michigan was eventually going to just overwhelm Maryland. And then it ended up with Maryland making the final score closer than it should have been, which annoyed me because <laughs> it kind of, <laughs> it kind of brought things back around a little bit where then you had to gut out an onside kick where even though Maryland's probability of winning that game at that point had to be somewhere around 2%. Like it's just, it's a 2% you could sense very, very distinctly. And I I get why that game gave off a lot of bad vibes. I do not want to dismiss that feeling. I just, uh, I don't know. I've been doing this a long time. And I also remember things like, uh, 2014. <laughs> I don't, it, 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 it's added a lot of perspective, but let's, uh, let's dive into the offense, which I think is going to be an area where we have, uh, plenty to say here. Um, starting a quarterback, JJ McCarthy, we've already said missed a few deep shots. Um, Still finished eighteen for twenty six for two hundred twenty yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Although he was a little lucky to not throw at least one there. Um, uh, also, five carries for or four carries for twenty two yards in the running game. A couple of those are tech, or even better than that, multiple of those are sacks. I didn't do the math beforehand. Just he was all right on the ground uh, when he wasn't uh, not sensing pressure or uh, um, missing a couple reads. uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't nearly as clean as the performances that he's had so far this season, but it was still overall a pretty positive game, I thought. And um, we've seen him hit those deep shots before. So that's something that, while it made this game closer than it should have been, is not particularly worrisome for me long term, especially since he also dropped one into Ronnie Bell after he'd missed a couple. That kind of made it look like he'd uh, dialed it in a little bit more.
3: Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of takes on why this is the case. Part of it gets to my vendetta against people putting too much weight into stats, but I do think Michigan fans in particular are traumatized into believing that individual players are not going to get better, <laughs> um, especially quarterbacks. And I, I know, I know, I, I wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> that's one where I'm like, there. That is a little bit. Uh, eerie how that has gone under Harbub let's I shouldn't have spoken that into existence Ace you tricked me um anyway JJ McCarthy has already gotten better so we can we can
1: kind of put that one I think aside a little bit right for
3: now. for now we can for sure yeah he's he's gotten better and like there's every reason to believe from what we've seen of him that like yeah he can hit those deep shots no one hits those every time but he can hit them more often than not um the decision making needs some work I am very much of the belief that I will take the occasional, like, just catastrophic, yakety sacks, devastating sack. If I also get stuff like, you know, the time that he ran around pretty much the entire Maryland defense for a first down. Like, yes, that was nice. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you kind of have to take those, you know, you you hope that you get more of one than the other over time, but they're part of the same deal with a quarterback. And and I, I think what it really comes down to is I think Michigan has built a program under this sort of hardball renaissance where Jim Harbaugh is now 16-2 and two, since we all thought he should be fired. <laughs> um, I think he's actually built a better program than he had before. And I, and I think we've seen so many players, the majority of players who actually are on the field, get better with each consecutive year and get better during the season. And I think that even though JJ was not perfect today, I think he would be better than this by the end of the season. There's every reason to expect that. So everybody, please calm down and don't put too much stock in stats that are a little bit less than perfect.
1: Yeah, uh, although uh, I haven't looked at his average time to throw stat uh, in large part because I had a similar experience that uh, Taylor had in the stadium.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, this was particularly frustrating because, um, so so to to your point earlier, Ace, it is the fan experience. Like, you're allowed to overreact if you are in there. You are allowed to be as extreme as you want to be. Short of like the Utah nuclear reactor girl, you're allowed to be as like <laughs> upset and and extreme as you want to be. As long as you do not like threaten harm to anyone around you or anyone on the field, um, you are allowed to be extreme because you're in that moment. It's very emotional. You're allowed to be that person. Um this is just me also kind of like validating my own bad habits. Um <laughs> but anyway, uh but the other thing that was frustrating about McCarthy, and I think he was the most frustrating part of the game. Um, aside from the pass rush, which we will get to at some point, um, I, I think you could like physically feel the seconds that he held on to the ball. Um, you could feel like, like if you could feel like the ticks of a clock. That that's what it felt like because there were times at which, like, you could almost see his brain working. Like you could see the wheels turning, and it was very very frustrating. And I do hope that that improves and um that gets better and i and i to, to everyone's point I, I know it will um but in the moment it is very it is very frustrating to watch and i would love to know how long um he he took uh because oof, that was it was just really really frustrating and it and it, to the casual eye it makes him look like not a good quarterback which i think is kind of where some of the over action can come from um that that we're expecting like Quick reads, um, going through progression very, very quickly, and that did not happen.
1: Oh, um, I looked it up. Oh, <laughs> I no. shouldn't have looked it oh, up.
2: Why did you look it up?
1: It was a uh, three point three seven seconds. <gasps> that's that's what? high. No, um, no. Which I was okay with that. Like there were multiple plays where he mm-hmm. extended it out of the pocket, and that I'm cool. Like you know, even when it got a little adventurous at times, I think for the most part, when McCarthy escapes the pocket, good things are going to happen for Michigan. There were a couple of times where he hung out in the pocket forever and that you cannot do. You are hanging your offensive lineman out to dry and yeah, yeah. also just asking for yourself to lose the football. And he got, I mean, he took at least one, uh, pretty hard sack that way. And, uh, you know, that's, that's an area where, especially since he also put the ball on the ground on a keep on a pretty, I mean, just flat out dropped it, uh, Ball Security is definitely going to be, uh, I think, hammered into him this week
3: by the coaches. Well, and to that point, you know, I I think we can all agree, it very much looked like as Klatt was saying on TV, that he would have been instructed not to run too much in this game, which is a hardball thing. And also the QB2 is notably hurt. We all know that. And in in his defense, I agree with that this was a problem for him. In his defense, uh, the entire campus population of University of Maryland at College Park was in the secondary. That was their defensive strategy. And so I I understand, you know, why being meticulous about your reads, you know, like, why I understand why he was paralyzed in this one game. He needs to get better at it, but it was understandable.
1: Yeah, I I mean, we got to look at the, I mean, overall, this is still like, all right, I've been trying to avoid saying this, but if you hand that same stat line and exact same looking performance to Cade McNamara last year, we're going, man. The the like near turnovers were a little weird, but did you see him unleash?
2: Like, uh, yeah, that's so true. We would be thrilled. We would be like, wow, we really got one here. And, like and- he's finally going downfield. Like,
1: like we would have a very different reaction. The bar has been raised significantly just by the expectations for JJ McCarthy, and he did come up short uh, on Saturday. But, but I, I think we we. There was nothing that made me significantly dial down my expectations for his overall development.
3: No, and I think that you're totally right, Ace. The the what's happening here is Michigan fans are really hoping this offense is going to look elite. Um, I would say that given the injuries and some of JJ's struggles yesterday, it or the other it, it fell short of that. It still looked pretty good, just not like a death machine that we think it could be if everything's clicking. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, all right, we should we should get to running
1: back uh where this was obviously the the position of Bishkin's uh shining standout Blake Corum, who toted the rock 30 times for 243 yards, two touchdowns, both on short yarded situations where Maryland uh let's say loaded up the interior and, and may have uh uh lost contain a little bit and, and Corum has a really disgusting jump cut that is extremely effective at setting guys up to be on the wrong side of blocks and take advantage of those exact situations. And uh, I mean, it was beautiful to watch him just consistently churning out somewhere between six and 12 yards. It seemed like every carry that wasn't going for something much longer. Uh, There were uh, a few too many times where, as we'll get to with the offensive line uh, plays, were stopped at or around the line of scrimmage, uh, but they were down a starter and their their top backup. So some some mitigating circumstances there. The worrisome part here, uh, CJ Stokes dropped the first running back carry to go to someone not named Blake Coram. Just uh, did not really secure the ball after the handoff. That was really big turnover. Uh, another moment in this game where uh, feelings probably would have changed significantly if that did not happen. And then, as we have talked about, uh, the next running back in was Isaiah Gash, uh, who's a walk-on. So Donovan Edwards' absence was very much felt in this game, especially since last year. Uh, I mean, Michigan, he had a 100-yard receiving game against Maryland. Uh, So uh, we saw, I think, um, both that Blake Horham has an argument for being as good as anybody in the Big Ten, which is saying something because the Big Ten probably has the best group of running backs in the country. And also that uh the drop off from Donovan Edwards to anybody else on the roster is pretty big.
2: Yeah. Um and and to the to the point we were talking about earlier when we were talking about uh, McCarthy, um if Michigan does want to be conservative with how he runs and how often he runs, just because in part, you know, he's young and he and he can still be a little bit bullheaded when he runs and, and not really slide or do or or you know not get himself into traffic uh, and and put himself at an injury risk. And in addition, of course, Cade McNamara is not um, healthy right now. so um, putting the entire offense as much as I like Alex orgie on him would not be ideal if JJ were to go down. So I understand the the thought process behind why we wouldn't want um, why we why we, in the collective we wouldn't want to see JJ mm-hmm. running the way he likes to run all the time. Um, not having Edwards is an issue um that it because it does put the onus specifically on quorum um if you look at how Stokes played, if you look behind there like gash, sometimes you can use Henning, but like not all the time because he's technically a receiver like it's just not sustainable even for someone like Blake quorum and that puts of course Quorum also at an injury risk, and I just don't love that right now finding that piece out about the the running back depth um hopefully though edwards is um the working through something is is not an extended working through something because uh we we really do need uh we re- <laughs> michigan really needs him that's all yeah. i can say
3: i think especially really hope he comes back next week because that probably is the best defense in the big 10 i I Dude, they're going to beat Iowa by 20.
1: I'm not even I, well, to like I, I'm not willing to entertain that a team with that offense can beat Michigan. I'm just
3: no, I, I don't think I think there's a pretty good <laughs> chance that they shut out Iowa, in, you know, in Iowa City, which would be cool. But also, so, like, so Donovan Edwards,
1: like put your feet up, bud,
3: <laughs> you're, but you're still going to have to score. Well. And like, I'm, I'm, I am being said, I think you have to take Iowa's defense seriously. I mean, like the Iowa's I, defense. I'd take Iowa's defense seriously. I don't take their program seriously. No, their but like I good, mean, But that is that is a half the program. You were so insistent on this Iowa take, but like they do often their defense often scores on teams, right? So like yeah. you've got to do something against them. Like I, I actually I'm gonna push back on that just because like as terrible as their offense is that defense. Did is you watch really the Big scary. Ten title game last year? Michigan's a better. <laughs> I, I know, but like this I Iowa Iowa's defense, worse. I <laughs> Iowa's defense is just so good. Like I, I mean, I don't uh, know why. I can't I, do I this. I can't do this. And also <laughs> we thought... have to actually talk about this game. And uh, I was I was going to talk about Donovan Edwards and just say like and and make just the basic point that I think that it, it it is going to give Michigan a tremendously different dimension when he gets on the field. But it will. Uh, you, I just don't think about talking about Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> I think I, I my hot take is I think having a good offense does matter against a great defense. There's my steamer for the day. Nothing matters against Iowa because Iowa does not. Iowa is the most nihilist football
1: program that exists.
2: And That's true. Um, I would going just... to beat them. I just want to put a bow on this. Um all my my podcast friends are fighting. Um I, I do want to put a bow in this by just saying like they can make up for this deficiency. Like I said, I I know like just like you can say Henning Henning's in the Devo Samuel role. <laughs> um but that is like probably a more viable option than than Stokes or Gash right now. I would like to see Stokes get another chance. Obviously, like it's really hard to to have that happen and that really sucks for him i'm sure as like a young player but if well, we need to make up those deficiencies it's possible it's just not the best case scenario
1: uh we're also talking about a game where michigan's primary running back averaged eight yards carry i, I do just want to hammer that in because like this was an objectively excellent
2: running but, performance. but how yeah. sustainable is that but like how we
3: Blake quorum i would say Pretty fucking sustainable.
2: You don't want to wear Look him down, though.
3: You, you don't want to wear him down. That's all we're saying. And like, you also, Oh well, yeah, they're yeah.
1: not going to give him thirty carries
3: every game because they're, they're not going to
1: play this many close games. Like, and also, also Donovan... Donovan Edwards is going to be healthy again. Like, they they
3: adjusted the game plan for the situation ace what happened to you man uh you're you're just so positive right now i'm happy for you whatever's happening in your life is clearly yeah I'm, best, I'm watching but... football games without uh losing my mind apparently without twitter that's the key you quit twitter you've discovered yes. the uh the magic um but i i appreciate where you're coming from man i i just you know i think this michigan offense has another gear in it and that gear the fastest way to unlock that gear i think is to get edwards back in the field so
1: yeah that I, I yeah I don't know. This is. I'm surprised at the tenor of the situation, the conversation, considering that Michigan is like three slightly more accurate deep balls away from like a
3: 550 yard day and scoring 50. Um, I agree. I'm the optimistic guy. I just want us to be better. I want it to be even better.
2: (laughs) The bar is so high right now, which is kind of, in a way, it is a little scary. The bar is very high, and and I as a as a Michigan fan that's fairly recent, like, I've never felt a bar this high. This is this is wild. I'm having a nice time. I, I welcome the discourse, actually, because it's, like, nice to be able to be so nitpicky. It is fun. It's terrible. Um, and it'll wear away at ev- every piece of your brain. But, yeah, it's fun. Sure.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, at, at, let's move on to the receiver group. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker. Uh, unfortunately, we found out Eric Hall is probably out for an extended period of time, maybe the year with a back injury. I mean, we've seen him in and out of the lineup. So Luke Schoonmaker was the most targeted and most productive receiver on the day, which was a great sign. I thought he was quite good in in all phases. Once again, PFF uh, disagrees with the run blocking part, and I disagree with their assessment of that. Uh, But uh, the receivers got open, just got missed a few times. Um, and I loved seeing Roman Wilson get used on a slant from the slot when Michigan has McCarthy and Coram in the backfield. They held the safety's attention for like half a beat. And that's all it took for Wilson to just cruise by him. Uh, Otherwise a lot of tight end stuff, Max Bredesen and Joel Honningford got extended time. And I thought they were excellent as blockers, especially Bredesen. He really just jumped out to me upon, uh, on first watch. So I, I i don't even think this is like a referendum on the guys behind them. They were just they were blocking so well in the run game that I don't think you'd want anybody else out there in, in that role, even if uh, Honigford in particular is a little uh limited as a receiver. and we got a Colston Loveland siding
3: which uh, I'm sure Connor was pretty jazzed about his is always exciting. Um, I'm a, just a little bit confused. Uh, Redson appears to be a guy that we do pass to on meaningful snaps and conference play. And I'm not going to hate on him because that has actually worked fairly well. And he's earned his way onto the field by clearly being a great blocker. I'm just a little bit confused that he does seem to be TE2 uh, with all out behind Schoonmacher. And I don't know what's up with Hibner and Hansen, but, uh, I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just, I find it to be a very curious situation. And the only other wide receiver tight end thing I have to say is, um, you know, Maryland's DBs are not amazing, but it was nice to see that our receivers were routinely toasting them down the field and getting wide, wide open. And as we've discussed ad nauseum, our quarterback needs to hit some of those and he will.
1: Yeah, no, they were, they were doing an excellent job, uh, making themselves available deep. Um, yeah, Taylor, uh, I think you had some more uh, thoughts on on the tight end situation.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually really loved Schoomaker in this game, and I actually thought that he was one of my favorite parts. Um, he was one of the parts where in the in in the stadium environment, I wasn't feeling um, very stressed because he seemed very, very confident in the role that he was given pretty recently, I would assume Um and, and I do still have some questions. Again, we can go back to like the play calling, conservative, not conservative, whatever. Um, we we hash that out. Um, I did appreciate that they were confident enough in him in that role to kind of take the the basically pick up where Eric all would have left off. So I feel good about that. And he looked good in that particular role. Um, another note that I also had that that I don't think we really kind of like talked a little bit about was like Ronnie Bell like had he was like kind of in and out of the game, like wasn't really like the standout guy this time, but um, his, his connect when McCarthy did hit him um, kind of pretty deeply. That was good. That was good. Um, And I'm, I'm that made me feel more comfortable as well, because it was like, once he got that connection, that was good. Um, So again, I haven't had a chance to rewatch anything or kind of like take it in from a, from a less emotional perspective, but um. All and, and Bell were two promising things, even if Bell was not the most present in terms of, of how the game was played. So, that, you know, those are two things that I took away that felt that made me feel good.
1: Yeah. Schoonmaker and Bell, I assume you mean. But, uh,
2: yes, um, that, that's Erica what I meant.
1: But, uh, yeah, yeah right. Schoonmaker See, did a very he, good impression, you know? He that's, did so uh,
2: well. Yeah. I didn't even notice.
1: Yeah. No, it's fantastic. I mean, I do think that's going to be a situation that, uh, might hurt Michigan against some of the, upper tier teams where Eric Hall's athleticism really separates them from the rest of the tight end on the roster. But, uh, Schoonmaker does a very good job of just doing his assignment. Um, and he also gets open a lot. I mean, he was targeted eight times in this game and, and brought in seven of them. Uh, and what was a touchdown, uh, it wasn't actually three seconds into the game. Uh, they did correct that on the uh, box score to eight seconds. I think ESPN just forgot to sync the clock, uh, but that that was quick and nice. We'll get to that in the special team section. Um, on the offensive line, as we mentioned, no Carson Barnhart, no Trevor Keegan. Uh, I put it in that order just for just for Taylor. Um, so Giovanni Hadi El-Hardy, El-Hardy started at left guard. It was a little boomer bust in the run game. Michigan gave up a, a little bit higher of a, a stuff rate and stop rate than than you would prefer, but they also opened some massive holes. I, I mean, it feels like uh, I, I've seen the line yard stats and they aren't great, but it, it feels like that was part of the boomer bust nature of it. it. Was just like when they blocked something, it was getting all the way to the second level and then some. So uh, I I didn't mind that too much, especially with uh, your third option at left guard given that Carson Barnhart is the backup at possibly every O-line position, save maybe center. Um, So to be able to do that when you've got Elhadi in there and also have a pretty clean day in pass blocking um, where the sacks were pretty definitively on the quarterback, I thought was a a pretty good day.
3: Yeah, huge shout-out here for Giovanni Elhadi, who's a redshirt freshman. Um, Offensive linemen famously tend to take some seasoning, Before they're ready to contribute, Um, you know, I didn't go back and review the film uh, painstakingly, but I didn't nothing like horrible happened that seemed to be his fault. And he seemed to hold up very well all day long. Maryland's defensive front is not amazing, but they are, you know, a big 10 team. They have some athletic talent. Um, That's huge that like they can have two, you know, two of their top guards out and throw this guy in. he does a great job. So, yeah, shout out to you hottie yeah we also got a uh, a couple pretty impressive blitz
1: pickups from blake Coram, who continues to show out pretty well in that regard after uh i would say struggling last year but it seems like mike hart uh shockingly enough pretty good at coaching up uh short guys at at blitz pickups uh who, who would have seen that coming we are as always brought to you by Homefield apparel use the promo code meet at pitfield for 15 percent off your first order from homefieldapparel.com They are just dropping shirts left and right at this point, um, including uh, a big Sky Conference t-shirt and sweatshirt, uh, both the same logo. Absolutely gorgeous. Just beautiful. Um, I've never thought about repping a conference until this week. And they also uh, keep an eye out, because if your team wins a game, uh, you might get a shirt, because they seem to just be be dropping shirts when teams win important games. There's a new Tennessee shirt, because they beat Florida um others and, and I, I'm doing this off the top folks uh they, they they've been uh they've been putting out so much I can't remember all of it uh off the top of my head download the points bet app and use the promo code bucket prop to get 100 of your deposit match up to one thousand dollars in the form of free bets to get that bonus though you must use the promo code bucket prop that is bucket P-R-O-B all one word please gamble responsibly set limits avoid chasing lo- losses never bet when you can't afford to lose take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, on to the defense. Um, up front, uh, it's going to be interesting to get the discussion of this because it was uh, a very uh, like inconsistent, I would say, Dave, for Michigan's defensive front. Uh, I thought Mozzie Smith was absolutely rampant uh, against both the run and the pass. Made a few spectacular individual plays. Thought Chris Jenkins was pretty solid next to him. That duo is good. Uh, I wasn't as happy with the play of Mason Graham and Rayshawn Benny. It felt like they were exploited a little bit in the rug game when they were caught out on the field. I also don't know if that corresponds directly with Maryland using the running back who seemed way better suited to this game. Uh, so, because um, that I want to get his name right. Was it Littleton? Um,
2: Roman Hemby. No, well, the, or, backup. the oh, backup. The backup Littleton. Uh, Littleton, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah ironically I named about Littleton, Hemby. who
1: is yeah, a large guy. Yeah, ironically <laughs> named because apparently he cut down significant weight from high school, and he still weighs two thirty-five. Uh, so he had thirty-nine yards and a touchdown on only eight carries. He was he was kind of battering Michigan's defense. Uh, Hemby only averaged three yards a carry, and like his whole thing is that he needs like a pretty big hole, and like like most of his plays this year have just been like running fast, uh, pretty straight. So, like, uh, I don't know. I think they used the wrong running back for a large part of this game, and that might have uh, unfairly painted how I saw the backup tackles versus the starting tackles. Uh, I'm not sure. But uh, I was uh, unequivocally impressed with Mike Morris, who made some spectacular plays on the edge, including uh, a takedown of Talia tonga that looked like it was going to be a very easy first-down scramble. And I, I honestly have no idea how a guy who's got to be pushing 285, 290, uh, made that play in space on the edge. Um, as I, I'm sure we are going to get ready to discuss it in, in depth, pressure was pretty inconsistent. Um, and uh, that was definitely exacerbated by Tonga Loa being able to escape the pocket when they were not keeping it uh, pretty hemmed in on them. Um, so I thought the run divas was good outside of a couple drives. Uh, the pass rush it was a little bit of concern that they weren't consistently getting home against a team with a pretty questionable offensive line. Uh, but um, Talia might be a bit of a mitigating circumstance there because uh, Michigan definitely had to account for his legs.
3: Yeah, I have a lot of takes about that. One is that just on the eye test, at least, Maryland's offensive line looks to be better than they have been rated as being. Um, you can tell they're a veteran unit. You know, they They know what they want to do, and they do it, even though they're not super talented um talia is interesting i'm not sure he's necessarily the most athletic quarterback we play although he might be um he has excellent slipperiness and because he's a guy who spent his career uh bugging out of pockets often way too early like his awareness of what's going on is exceptional and he escaped so many sacks where i thought he was going to go down um there were a lot of times somebody had an arm on him or was about to close in and he get out of there. And his timing in this game in that regard was just impeccable. And I think that's, you know, he's agile and he's got the awareness of that. And I think that, that actually made a huge difference And Michigan's pressure numbers could have ended up looking a lot better in this game, especially just in terms of sacks. Um, because the I, I, pressure actually was pretty good in this game. Um, yeah, ju- like just, I, in, just
1: in terms of total number of like hurries. Um, because let's say Mike Morris was credited for six hurries just by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Mazzie Smith had four, uh, five different guys had two, and three more guys had at least one. Uh, I mean, that's pretty good.
3: <laughs> four but from Ozzy. They just weren't
1: converting those that as much as you'd like to see. Yeah, I mean, four from Ozzie is huge, by the way. I was Although th- I think that center game. might be just straight-up ass. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's I mean, sure, but, like, year.
3: you know, you're still getting numbers
1: against a Big Ten team, right? So He also you know, had four whatever. run stops, which is damn impressive for a guy playing on the interior of the line.
3: Yeah, and I think, I think a couple things here. I think, one, Michigan fans, like, we got so spoiled last year that now— When there's not immediately a guy bending around the edge. And I mean, immediately (laughs) we're like, Oh, that's not pressure. That's not quite how this works. You know what I mean? Like you can't expect that to happen every play. And last year, literally every play against everyone except Georgia. And I mean, every time either Hutch or Ojabo or both were getting in there pretty much immediately. So that's, we're spoiled. And I think we have to readjust expectations, like what we're watching. I also briefly want to say, I think Maryland did a really good job tricking Michigan's defensive front. There were, I mean, is also really good at, at selling mesh points, uh, regardless of what his decision is with the ball. And, like, so I remember one play, especially Mason Graham, just did the freshman thing. I mean, he just burst into the backfield and slammed Talia to the ground. Unfortunately, I believe Hemby had the ball. Yeah. So, it was a great hit that I got very excited <laughs> for until I realized what was happening.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so,
3: I mean, there's just, like, I, it, I thought it was a pretty good performance. Uh, not dominant, but, like, I think when you weigh all the evidence, it's a pretty good performance against a good offense.
1: Yeah, it might be instructive that uh while Talia took zero sacks on thirty dropbacks, uh, when the backup had to replace him for uh a few snaps and then late in the game, uh, he took three sacks on twelve dropbacks. So that <laughs> yeah. that might be uh a, yeah. a pretty something to something to look into, uh certainly when we review We're- the day.
3: We're very strongly considering that Talia Toncavilo might just be hard to sack. That that might have something to do with it.
1: And and to your point about uh, him possibly being the most athletic quarterback that Michigan faces this year, uh, how do you feel about Connor Bazalak? Because that was the first name (laughs) that came to mind (laughs) as a competitor.
3: I, you know, I'm going to throw my people under the bus here. I don't think anyone named Connor is ever going to be an elite <laughs> athletic quarterback. Yeah. So I'm, I'm selling that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going
1: to go ahead and say uh, I, I'd, I'd probably take uh, Talia in a in a combine setting over over Connor Um uh, But yeah, it, it is not the
3: most <laughs> athletic group of quarterbacks in the Big Ten this year.
1: Yeah, uh, no, no, Sean no. Clifford.
2: Uh, I was gonna say Sean down. Clifford
3: when he was like a bright-eyed youth. When now he's, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. he's... <laughs> before the light had been taken out of his eyes. Yeah, before he about that thousand-yard <laughs> stare. He's like physically forty-seven years old now. The poor guy. Man, yeah. uh, we, Man. we should stop talking about we him should. before it gets truly bleak. Uh,
1: yeah, dark, this is yeah. the part.
2: This is the part where I will not entertain discourse on Sean Clifford because we are not doing this anyway. Um, I would just like to hop in and say, um. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I just I do feel for Talia because I do think he had an, a really nice game. Um, I did feel for him after he after he was knocked out of the game for a little bit. Um, And I haven't again, I got home like an hour ago. Um, I haven't really checked to see like if he's got an injury designation just because I know Edwards came back in. Uh, Billy Edwards, not Donovan Edwards. Uh, Billy Edwards came in. Billy uh, Edwards
1: Jr., baby. He's, he's got, <laughs> I, like, I I think I said this on the playback stream, but uh, that's a televangelist. That's not a quarterback.
2: <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's rough. Uh, and I think when he came in the second time and it was very clear that Talia was not coming back, it was very clear that the win was there for Michigan. Like, that, that was the moment where I was like, I can relax. Um, the other thing I would say is that... Um, This is another one of those examples. This is a learning podcast. We learn here. We teach um, that the eye that being again in the emotional environment that I was in, Hemby to me looked better in the eye test. But looking at the numbers, looking at at what I was seeing again, I was overreacting. Um, Every five minutes I tweeted, I was in hell. Um, But to me, it sort of felt like they trusted him more. And because Talia was trusting him more and giving him those, those lead like giving him that um, that trust that maybe I was I wasn't thinking as much about Littleton because I was I, it just sort of maybe felt inevitable like by the time like Littleton was into to get some of those bigger bigger plays it was sort of like ah well it's gonna happen anyway they're gonna drive down the field like whatever like maybe to me it was sort of like it felt like Littleton was inevitable and therefore he didn't seem as impressive to me because it was like oh yeah they're gonna do this on third down it'll be whatever so maybe that was just like again one of those stadium environment eye test things i was also in the end zone my uh family season tickets are in the end zone so i can't really see the right angles for that sort of thing but that was just me um i thought both of them had a fine game um uh, and now I- looking at the numbers yeah uh littleton was better
3: I think you're overanalyzing a bit, though, just because, like, I want to go back to a take that I think we've underemphasized, which is that this is probably a very good offense and and they do have a lot of team speed. Mm
2: -hmm. And
3: that's one reason why I think the defense especially acquitted themselves well in this game, because, like, you're giving up 27 points to a probably quite possibly the second best offense we play at worst third best i'm afraid that michigan state's been knocked out of the running in this conversation um but i'm not afraid of that at all (laughs) i I actually i'm gonna say it loud and proud but it's like it's them or penn state basically and i i think it might the edge might go to maryland and so yeah the players look good it's like yeah it's not misleading. They are a good offense, and well, we played and, pretty and, well against them. Yeah, and
1: we're going to get to a reason pretty soon to feel really good about this defense when we get to uh, what the secondary did to their wide receivers. Because um, a a very common theme for both these teams was uh, wide receivers having a tough time getting open. Uh, yeah. Are, are we just going to skip Even when plays are extended? I'm not skipping the linebackers. Uh, well, we uh, no, can
3: we... because all we have to say there is like get well soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? I mean,
1: like, yeah, the Kai Hill Green. Like, well, here's the weird thing, like. I thought Mike Barrett played a great game. It's just for some reason. uh, Well, first of all, Junior Colson had some plays he'd like to have back. Uh, (sighs) This was not his best performance. Uh, I mean, it's still better than his like bad performances were last year when he was a true freshman, but there were a couple of missed tackles, a a, a couple angles he would definitely want back um, and maybe a moment or two in coverage there, but. I think uh, maybe the most disappointing thing for the whole defense of the whole day was that Khalil Mullings did, just did not look good and also got absolutely run over by Littleton, <laughs> uh, which considering Mullings is supposed to be like a, you know, a burly physical guy. And that's supposed to be
3: Mike Barrett's shortcoming. I feel like at that moment, they should have made, made that switch. <laughs> yeah, I think they just stick with Barrett. I, I don't think there are many teams in the schedule that are going to somehow be too big and burly. For him, and I also and just think is, that's yeah. like an overblown concern about him at this point. People
1: keep saying it, and like I just don't see it when he gets out on the field. He's a pretty big guy.
3: And yeah, yeah I mean, I think that the, the real problem here is this team has at least one fewer linebacker than they really need, and they have one guy who's hurt, and that's Nakai Hillgreen, who, you know, when he does come back, you know, and hope he does knock on wood, like will not be their savior, but like it's gonna help a lot. And yeah, I, I do think that Mulling's being just not very good is kind of low key a problem for this defense. That, like Ace said, was the thing that most jumps out at me is like not opponent dependent, not contextual, just he does not really know what he's doing out there. Yeah. Um, it might be high key a problem next year. Hopefully it will stay low-key
1: a problem this year. Uh we'll uh we'll see how that continues to develop. I, I do want to say, uh, while I while I did question some of his uh personnel
3: handling, I thought Mike Laxley called a great game um he did he i mean he did and i i was just about to do a a josh gaddis comparison i will bite my tongue out of respect for our former offensive coordinator but mike loxley uh, did call a good game i agree
1: middle uh, tennessee
2: uh, didn't show respect to our former offensive coordinator they They handed him his uh, ass uh
1: yeah Uh, (laughs) brutal um absolutely brutal uh um yeah if you didn't see the screen cap of uh three Miami players converging on a mesh point in the back backfield in pretty violent fashion. Uh look for uh no context college football is a great uh, great account and uh it almost certainly has that screen cap and probably the video which uh it somehow got worse from there. Uh, very, very very good stuff from Josh Gaddis. I'm enjoying it immensely. In the secondary, this is what I wanted to get to. Uh let's let's talk about the cornerbacks and what they allow. Uh Jamon Green targeted nine times, gave him only four catches, for 28 yards. Uh, he was the cornerback who was very much in phase in tight coverage. When RJ Moten came over for his, uh, game turning and quite spectacular interception, DJ Turner was targeted four times, allowed one catch for 12 yards and came away with an interception that, uh, maybe probably should have been overturned and absolutely should have been reviewed. and wasn't for some reason, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm cool with it. Uh so well, let's just start with that. Like the cornerbacks were awesome. And if you go through and look at, you know, Maryland's faunted receiving core, Rakeem Jarrett did nothing. Seven targets, four catches, 12 yards. Jacob Copeland was their leading receiver with four catches for 52 yards. Uh, Dante Dimas had two catches for 12 yards, just absolutely not involved. Uh, Deshaun Jones, his two catches for 48 yards. Uh, I believe came against Junior Colson and Rod Moore and uh, Rod Moore's Rod Moore got caught flat footed, but uh, you don't want Junior Colson in coverage against a a legitimate wide receiver. So that, that I think was what on the play call
3: in this house, we do not slander Rod Moore, although you're right. He did give up that one play. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I still, he he had a tough, that's a tough position to be in when you're in
1: uh, off coverage from that deep. And you've got to have eyes in the backfield and then stick with a fast guy on a crossing route. Uh, that was a tough position for him to be in, but uh, he could have played it better.
3: I'm just going to give Mike Loxley at RPS like plus four, whatever I have to do to make myself feel better on that <laughs> there, one. Um But I, I, mean, there I did just some, to...
1: Be, seem to be some situations where Michigan was giving a lot of cushion uh, quite intentionally. And that seemed like where Maryland got a lot of their few completions to their actual wide receivers was just picking up some. Some kind of cheap stuff because Michigan was handing it to him. Yeah.
3: I do want to. I think we, I think this is again, I think we're going to underemphasize, you know, because in the, the frustrations of this game, it gets understated that this was a very hyped group of receivers before the season, a hyped passing attack in general. I think rightly so. Demas has not been what he was last year, which is sad to see, but Jarrett is a really good player. Copeland is also quite good. Um, and like you said, Jarrett was just shut down on the day. Like the cornerback play, the whole secondary. Was excellent. I think one thing I want to underline is that under Harbaugh, we've never had a secondary that consistently gets turnovers. Mm-hmm. And this secondary looks like they might do that. They had two picks in this game. Was one of them probably not legally a catch? Sure, <laughs> but he was still in position. I mean, he was close. He almost yes. got it, right? So, and then the Moten one, I mean, what a hell of a time for him to finally catch something. <laughs> like, Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and we've that been waiting,
3: like, that was the ultimate center fielder play, too. It yeah. Really was, yeah that was i i mean so i i just i can't say enough good things about the secondary because like this is a legit test this is a for real like big boy football test for them and they pass with flying colors the last thing i want to say is that they all deserve credit but mike sanra still holy mm-hmm. shit dude that dude is week, a player he is it's, a player six
1: solo tackles um uh, a sack another tackle for loss a pass breakup he did uh, on another pretty damn well-designed play from like Loxley, uh, he stopped his feet on uh, uh, Maryland's best pass play of the day, um, which was a, a pretty long completion to Corey Deitches, yeah. their tight end, for 44 yards. Where uh, Sandra still just uh, that was the one moment this year where it was like, oh yeah, he played receiver last year. Um, other than that, man, you, like he he looks not at all out of place on a very good defense. And that's I'm still wrapping my head around it because it's one of the board like improbably great position switch successes so far. Um in a really in a way that speaks
3: very, very well of Mike Sandra still. And also the coaching staff. He's also a tiny guy that consistently whoops blockers. Like yes. when he uh destroyed that screen pass in a he destroyed that screen pass. It looked like I would say Pepperzian. And how he just like blew up his blocker and then made a great tackle. I was like, that looks like Jabril Peppers, but it's like a five foot six former receiver.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That rocks. Um, Yeah. I didn't throw this in the show notes. I just did want to say I would like to shout out like Jamon Green. I know Ace, you already mentioned it, but I, I know there was a little bit of skepticism coming in about Green, given the 2021 that he had in comparison Um, score
1: reading he had no pass breakups because he was just in good coverage
2: (laughs) right right so like i i just want to say like now that those now that like the, the box score is starting to match like what we know he's able to do like that's great and and i'm just happy uh i'm happy with that um and and he did a really really nice job he was another another player that i did not have like viscerally negative emotions about throughout the game
1: and, and that's really the bar we're going for Uh, is don't don't make me react in an in outwardly negative way.
3: Uh, the, the corners are good and they're so good that we never talk about them because we just never see them.
1: <laughs> I mean, like it, it, it didn't dawn on me until kind of the end of the game. Like, damn, like Maryland's receivers didn't do shit. <laughs> they, no, they didn't do a thing. Um, it didn't. It's remarkable. One thing I want to get to about the defense before we get to the special teams. I put this in the wrong show notes and I apologize. Uh Michigan did have a persistent trouble throughout the game getting set before the snap and that was uh directly led to the final Maryland touchdown where uh I believe it was Mullings like was like walking over to tap Junior Colson and like try to figure out where they were supposed to be aligned <laughs> It barely just snapped it. <laughs> it was like, oh, uh, yeah, nobody's covering that guy. That's a problem. Uh, so, I mean, it does seem like they have added uh, a fair amount to this defensive playbook, uh, you know, even though this is a new defensive coordinator, that it, or even though this is the same scheme that they were running um, last year, they're they're definitely installing more sp- stuff, especially with their blitz packages, but you just want to see them get aligned. <laughs> and And that was that was a problem in this game that they're going to have to to clean up. Um, not against Iowa because what does Iowa do? That's going to confuse you, but you know, eventually, eventually they should clean that up as for special teams. Um, Brad Robbins was awesome. Uh, I mean, they're, they're leaning on him to maybe a little harder than they should, but, uh, he pinned two inside the 20 average 47 yards a punt, uh, didn't have a touchback. Great stuff. Um, uh, Jake Moody, unfortunately, uh, Either looked great or really bad. He had a 52-yarder and a 38-yarder, and then uh, hooked the shit out of a 43-yarder. But that is uh, uh, unusual enough for him that I I, I don't think we're too concerned about it.
3: The only thing I will say, yeah, go ahead. I just briefly want to say that I love Jake Moody, but this is the only time I've seen him outplayed by the other team's place kicker uh, because that Maryland kid is good. Yeah, Ryland
1: hit uh both of his kicks and they were from fifty-two and fifty-three, and they were both absolute no doubters. So uh yeah, not not bad. Uh definitely holding up his end of uh being a kicker in the Big Ten. Um uh, Michigan didn't have anything returnable, so there wasn't really anything to comment on in that regard. Roman Wilson had 25 yard return in the on a kickoff. Michigan had no punt returns on the day. Um Ty Felton for Maryland had a had a bit of a rough start to this one uh taking a kickoff directly off your face mask is uh not the best way to start a game as it turns out he pretty much spotted michigan seven there uh and i was extremely amused throughout the game watching him uh look very relieved that uh jake moody was putting the kickoffs over his head and into the end zone uh five of the next six kickoffs were touchbacks so uh he got he got a nice respite after uh a real um a a pretty comically bad moment there and that's it that's all we have to say about this game apparently um so yeah not not a win you're gonna write home about not not a win that was necessarily super fun to watch while it happened certainly a win that brings up some concerns about the team moving forward but also I, i don't think there was anything that came up that michigan cannot address moving forward and especially at this point in the season, that's really all you're asking for when you're four and is if you, if you've got some holes, is it something that you at least can see getting better? And certainly with uh, McCarthy's misses and some of the near turnovers, that's stuff that they can, that I expect him to get cleaned up, especially on the deep ball. Um, you know, hopefully they get a little bit healthier on the offensive line and uh, you know, pass rush. They're not going to, as we've been saying, they're not going to face a guy as a, uh, dual thready as Tonga Bailoa until I don't know CJ Stroud. Um so if we can bring that back around uh much, much, much later. Um uh, <clears throat> and that brings us to our Big Ten teams of the week. Uh like last week, we're each picking one. We're gonna we're gonna talk about we 'em. We're we're gonna uh we're gonna give our thoughts on on a game that we watched last weekend. Taylor, uh you're allowed to just uh riff if you want because uh you were at the game. Um uh, so Connor you called, you called this one. Uh, you made sure as soon as we mentioned that this would be a segment again, that, uh, that you took this team and uh, shocker upon all shockers, team is Michigan state. And also, I just want to say that uh, after Saturday, all, all rules are off about discussing them. We're, we're just, we can't, we, we cannot be uh, editorially dishonest. And, and that is where that bit was going very, very quickly.
3: So Connor, uh, just, just go ahead and, and, and get it all off your chest. <laughs> just, uh, just give me one second. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yep. I don't see Ace's silhouette in the tree outside, so uh, yeah, he must good. have meant what he just said. Um, so, okay, uh, this is.
0: <laughs>
3: uh, there's another way to say it. the Michigan State Spartans football team is bad, and they're bad in a way that. Makes me wonder, I think like Maryland is probably going to beat them by double digits, to be honest with you, because their offense is bad, but their defense might be even worse. Um, And both units are just genuinely embarrassing in the last couple of games. Those two games were against pretty good teams. Those are both teams that deserve to be ranked, you know, Washington and Minnesota. But. I mean, where to even start? Uh, Peyton Thorne is not God awful, but he is an increasingly broken man, understandably, because no one blocks for him Um, and his running backs are not good at doing anything on their own. And so getting the ball to his receivers, who were pretty decent is turning out to be a very frustrating enterprise for him and he gets hit constantly and not everyone has that Sean Clifford warrior spirit. So I'm a little bit worried about the guy. Um, that defense man, I mean they have so they have some guys on offense, right? Because like the receiver group is still pretty good, I think. And and Thorne is like whatever. He's average. But that defense has nobody. They have Windman, who I still think is good. Um I, you know, <sighs> I guess is slate slate is still on the team that he play in this game. I don't know because the front was terrible, but the secondary was worse. So like who the hell knows? Honestly, we probably should have known they were going to be terrible when it turned out they were going to start Ben Van Sumeren at linebacker. Mm-hmm. He is a very bad football player who could not get on the field at Michigan. Oh, no. um, I, I mean, there's just so much to be said about this game. Uh, Minnesota just absolutely smoked them. It was a thorough domination was not as close as the final score. Uh, pay, uh, you know, Peyton Thorne, almost called him Payne Thornton. <laughs> I just start calling him that. <laughs> uh, Payne Thornton threw an interception right to a defensive lineman, which is when you think you know things are not yeah. going well for your team. Um, and here's the one thing I, I I do. I guess I have two final takeaways from this game, for me other than everything was bad and and Minnesota. Minnesota, by the way. Good team. I am glad we're not playing them because they are actually pretty good as much as I've made fun of PJ Fleck and his dorky sunglasses. They are good tactical
2: sunglasses. And
3: I I know I'm rambling, but I I also want to say it is very funny that Michigan State got destroyed by them because... Um, P.J. Fleck is running the Classic D'Antonio program. All of his players, all of his starters have been playing college football since 2011. They all have mortgages and riding mowers. Like, I think there was a guy in this game. This is the fourth game of the season, and one of their linebackers was playing in his 50th college game.
1: They said that.
3: Also, Tanner (laughs) Morgan legitimately has male pattern balls he's he's bald and he's like he's like 26 or something it's i'm not yeah. joking like this is like this is a team of like six seventh year like peaked antonio which is like why it's so funny that they smashed michigan state we're
2: very but, sorry to our bald listeners we're very very we apologize. i i have
3: I, I lost a lot of hair soon so yeah <laughs> i have lost a lot of hair so no shade but i mean you know we gotta we gotta call it out for what it is um brad robbins is a great example of a guy who's lost his hair and made made the best of it so uh, yes shout out by to becoming
2: UK. like what a like an 1800s vaudevillian villain. Like, Absolutely. Sure.
3: Absolutely. That's great...
1: Distract with facial hair. Works That's every great... time. it every time. Right now. <laughs> I,
2: I,
3: I will let you guys talk, but I just want to get two quick takes out there. One is that the kind of contract they gave to Mel Tucker, who I still think is like a better coach than this game, but is not, you know, one of the five best coaches in college football or whatever, most likely like you should reserve that kind of contract for someone who has won the big 10 or at least, As uh, you know, to to paraphrase Lena Dunham, won a conference, maybe not the conference, but at least a conference. (laughs) Um, And we all know where this is headed, which is that Michigan State is incredibly bad. Michigan is way better. And what that means is this will be a one score game when they meet Ann Arbor and there will be three uncalled penalties on every snap and there will be a hailstorm. It'll be the most infuriating thing you've ever seen. And I think Michigan will still probably win because this team sucks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's like weird to me that okay so I did get to see the end of this game first of all PJ Fleck and and his like tactical sunglasses that he was wearing like by the end at night I have several questions but like <laughs> like I'm just like are he, you he like
1: he paid a lot to order those directly off the
2: television and he is not going to take them off even when it's easy they, they come with one of those they come with those like headlamps and like a bunch of like freeze dried food that you can have <laughs> and like keep them in your bunker. Um, anyway, I'm so sorry. Uh, at toward the end of the game, it was just really, it was a little bit sad that Peyton Thorne like he couldn't even find his checkdown. Like he was just like he was just so frustrated, and I just I feel for him a little. In in in, in I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm pumping those brakes. I'm tapping those brakes. But like yeah. if I were an objective person that has not watched Michigan State crush my dreams for several years, um, I would feel bad for him. Um, I don't, but I'm just saying like. I, i'm like i'm inching toward that but i really don't um i mean it is also, shakespearean
3: what he's going through right now on that team yeah, Like it, it is objectively sad even if i still like have no sympathy
2: it is, <laughs> is a full sean clifford he is he is just straight up in the sean clifford hell zone um but i mean, I mean there's an
1: msu campaign. he he is just on the brian lewerke career path
2: oh Boy. Um oh, wow. That's oh, a really no. that's a really good
3: point. And sadly, oh, like exactly right.
2: <laughs> it is exactly right. That's really sad. Um who is like the best quarterback that Michigan State has produced in a while? Is it Kirk Cousins? Oh my God. I don't want to think about it. Um oh, my <laughs> God, it might be.
1: Don't ask the same question for Michigan or it'll get even more depressing. <laughs> yeah,
2: that'll get worse. Um anyway, my only thing is that Minnesota is gonna win the Big Ten last. That is my new take. Uh and I don't think it's that far fetched because How they look like it's hot.
1: <laughs> They're the favorite. It's not. It's the a pretty regular. Yeah. It's a pretty
2: regular take at this point. Um, I I do think it leads into to my thing, which again I didn't see that much football, and everything I saw was a little bit like later slate. Um, I just want to ask: um, is, is Paul Crist on the hot seat? Should he be? Because yeah, those are two very different oh, questions. <laughs> I mean, well, like should he be? We know that answer, but yes. like is he? Is my question because Wisconsin looked dreadful like the the bits and pieces like I heard and saw and consumed the dreadful just dreadful and I'm sorry I kind of segued into my thing but I, I just have some questions like obviously Ohio State is good and and they're just a complete football team and November is going to be a little bit scary but what what is going on in Wisconsin like that is just my question and I'm throwing it to the floor please yeah
1: I mean it is a very bad sign for Wisconsin that they are supposed to be exactly the type of football team that this Ohio State team struggles with. And they could not like, and we knew heading in, they were not going to win this game in the trenches. I, no. I, think, I think pretty much everybody I saw it, it wasn't just Ohio State people were saying like, I, I'm on the Ohio State side of this line. Uh, and that line was what, 17 points. I mean, it was a, it was a yeah. big, big spread for a game between those two programs in the first place. And for it to feel inevitable that Wisconsin was going to get blown out, and that it was actually worse than we anticipated, uh, does not say good things about where that program is at right now. They did a lot of face saving in the against backups late in that game. Um, do, do not
3: read Braylon Allen's uh, rushing stat line at face value. Uh, <laughs> I, I think what I find most notable at Wisconsin right now is like it was not that long ago that like this was a this team was scary. They had an edge to them right, like they, they but it's this. been a slow
1: slide with I mean other than when they had Jonathan Taylor, who uh I think covered up for a lot of issues that were starting to set in in that program, particularly on the offensive line, they just haven't been nearly as dangerous in recent years as they were in like the previous decade, and i I just think i mean i I don't think they're gonna move on from Paul Christ until another year or two of it showing up that they might not even be able to compete in the big 10 West. <laughs> Cause I, I don't think this team's
3: winning the West. I, I, I don't think they're, they're good enough. Uh, no, Minnesota's got the West on lockdown. I'm calling it right now.
2: Yeah, they do because and, they have, yeah, they have a real team.
1: And I think, the, I think the expectation at Wisconsin at this point is, is that they have to be at the very least in that conversation every year. And honestly, it should be kind of a surprise every year that they don't win it. And, and this year, I don't know. They, they might be taken out of contention a lot earlier than they are normally, and that might get some people talking. But I, I don't think – I think it's going to take at least one more year of them looking very un-Wisconsin-like for things to change. And kind of like what happened with Jonathan Taylor, Braylon Allen might, might save Paul Chris Sass here.
3: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think the question is just like how many – Seasons in a row, are they going to lose to P.J. Fleck in his tactical sunglasses before they they realize enough is enough? I mean, it's it's pretty embarrassing because, like, I do think Jim Leonard is like he's waiting very patiently. They should just make him the head coach. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd be on that tomorrow. uh, Yeah. Like, he's good. I mean, that dude's a defense, you know, one of the great defensive minds in college football. I mean, Chris. Like, let's let's not mince our words. I'm not just being a, a Wisconsin hater and saying he should be fired tomorrow because he is I've not seen doing several a good enough. Wisconsin job.
1: fans express this opinion.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, and this not is just people not... who I think are wildly out of pocket and saying so. No, yeah, this is just not good enough. I mean, that team, that team is never going to be the most talented team in the Big Ten. They should always be one of the most physical and one of the scariest in terms of their edge and stuff. And they have no edge, and they're not that. Phys- they're not very physically intimidating, and that's that's just not good enough. Other than that, uh, you know, a vintage Wisconsin. Team. <laughs> Lots <laughs> sure. of white line. We still got white linebackers. We still got yes. those. Yes. So,
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like my just main takeaway of that was not that Ohio State is good because we knew that. Like, you're, I'm not. I did not learn anything new from the bits and pieces I saw. It's more of like, what is happening at Wisconsin? Um, so that's really kind of where where I landed. Um. I mean, Maryland.
3: Maryland is probably going to be a tougher test for Ohio State than Wisconsin, and that should be a really depressing thing to hear if you're a Wisconsin fan,
2: for sure. And yeah, circling back to to MSU to kind of bring Connor's point home too, um, we're landing both these planes. Um, (laughs) Maryland, I would, I would very much say Maryland is like going to beat Michigan State. Like there, there's not a question because because Michigan State's defense is so bad. It's all bad. Oh, bad. So bad, and it's like it's just worrisome for them because like ugh, oh it's not good oh no 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 they just um, don't have any
3: players like yeah i, I get that their thing is improving and like i mean just play some of the freshmen i guess like their players are just bad at football and not athletic and i am and, shocked
2: yeah and kenneth I, walker just like kenneth walker really made up so much of that offense in a way yeah. that like Wow! We also,
1: really ruined Michigan State fans' expectations for what yeah, a transfer running back should be able to do on his own, <laughs> or Listen, for we're what not their are ninety-five about
2: expectations. We <laughs> we just spent this whole podcast just like hemming and hawing over expectations. We're not allowed to to comment on other teams' expectations, but but you are right.
3: <laughs> you are right. Well, no, we are when they gave a guy a contract that suggests he's an elite coach, and that is sure. far from being proven, and the arrows sure. are going in the wrong direction very rapidly. Like that's, I think that's not just being a hater. It's like they gave him a contract that you give to a guy after he's made the college football playoff. I don't think this team is making the college football playoff. That's my hot take for the day. Really?
2: Oh boy. <laughs> Where'd you get that from?
3: We're going to get a lot of hate mail over that
2: one. <laughs> oh boy.
1: Yeah. All right. I, I I think we've buried Michigan state enough, or at least, you know, have for we this week. <laughs> for this week, uh, for, for today, for the, for this hour, um, but uh, I, you know, I could talk. I go, I could pick a Big Ten of the week like Ohio State and Minnesota. You know, teams that are playing great ball. Gophers are all the way up to number seven in SP Plus, and uh, I, I could even use that as an excuse to talk more about how bad Michigan State is as a football team. See, I wasn't on. Uh, but uh, after Saturday, Miami of Ohio has uh, beaten Big Ten teams five times since 1982. Uh, and all of them were Northwestern. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I uh, love that no stat. <laughs> that rock This is
1: from the Athletics Matt Brown, uh, not to be confused with Matt Brown of Extra Points, who is, uh, uh, by the way, doing some collaboration with us for me to midfield. So use the promo code Ooh. EXTRA for 10% off a subscription of me to com. That was smooth. Thank you. This is the Athletics Matt <laughs> Brown, uh, Miami, Ohio's last five Big Ten wins. 1982, 1980, 1995, which is kind of shocking because that's the year Northwestern went to the fucking Rose bowl, 1999, 2003 and 2022. Those are Miami's last five big Ten wins. They were all against Northwestern.
3: Um, (laughs) I, I just feel really bad for our friend, Ben, Who does a great newsletter partly about Northwestern football? Oh, and you weren't even in the Twitter chat. (laughs) I wasn't. And like, I would love to see some screenshots, but like, he's just (laughs) beside himself. And like, he should be because Northwestern's coach is unfireable. And that team simply does not have power five talent. And that's just sadly all too apparent. And they can't even beat SWAC teams. And it just. I, I don't know what to say. Like, they're bad. There's no reasonably they're going to get any better anytime soon. It's a sad situation. But that is a very funny stat, though, about 40, <laughs> 40 years of losses <laughs> spread out over, you know.
2: That I mean, rules. That, that's
3: incredible.
1: Because, uh, it, yeah, it's not like Miami of Ohio uh, has been a particularly great MAC program.
2: <laughs> no. No, they have oh. not. They've really not been.
1: <laughs> so, um. like, yeah. They, I mean, uh, to be like the team that they just, that they get to beat you know, a couple times a decade is really. I'd say stop scheduling them, but I don't know who they're supposed to put on the schedule now because they also lost to Southern Illinois and Duke. So we're we're running out of teams here. Uh, but they beat Nebraska. They they sure did, and that sure says something about something. Um,
2: <laughs> I did see something that said uh, Northwestern's uh, um, only win like they have not yet won on U.S. soil. That's true. Uh, that's true. They, they, they have not. Which rocks? Which, which uh, also
1: makes them a global national
3: champions so they
1: <laughs> they have that under the belt
3: right now taylor um, you reminded me but like i just guys i cannot process that michigan has to play a football game against nebraska this year <laughs> like i my brain cannot integrate the information it's like that's gonna be that could be a rutgers 78 to nothing type deal it's oh no a real, it's a real shame for everyone involved honestly oh, yeah it is
2: really upsetting it's gonna it's gonna be a really that's gonna be an ugly ugly situation Oh, I'm no. trying.
3: To, I'm trying to
1: do some some on the fly math here. Uh, please pardon me for one moment. Um,
2: oh God, I'm looking at the rest of Nebraska's schedule it's so bad. Okay,
1: you you say your thing, and I'll uh I'll I'll keep working on this total yards thing.
2: No, it's fine. I was just looking at Nebraska's schedule because um I saw something like like Northwestern beat Nebraska. They've basically lost every other game. Uh, Nebraska beat North Dakota, but they're they also bad. Uh. Georgia Southern beat Nebraska, also awful. Um, Nebraska beat, uh, lost to Oklahoma, but now Oklahoma just recently lost in Norman to Kansas State. So good for them. State of Kansas having great football time. Um, but, oh, my God, I just looked at the rest of uh, Nebraska's schedule. Oh, it's and not going to go well for them. Indiana-Nebraska so is the most disgusting football game at night that I have ever. It is Wait, at, that's seven- at night? It's at seven thirty p.m. Why do that they keep doing
1: this? Is it Rutgers at Rutgers, Iowa at night? Now this, this
2: is yeah, that's oh, upsetting. I... You shouldn't do anything with that. Um, oh. oh my god! Then they play again at night. Nebraska is going to Rutgers, and that is Rutgers a Rutgers night game. So they're playing. <laughs> two, two night games
1: the I guarantee you, television executives <laughs> thought that they were going to get the Scott Frost might be fired sequence at this point in the year because we they are. They did in. not. We are leading right up to his buyout date except they paid seven and a half million dollars to get it over with early and (laughs) now these games are in prime time with the brass and an interim
2: coach these two are in primetime. <laughs> Just the uh, thought
3: of like Greg Schiano like sitting out with his AD and being like, all right, this is a winnable Big Ten game. We got to plot all the stops. We're going to do After Dark and Piss Scattaway. Like, you know, <laughs> do a, do a like free, like three free beer giveaway, whatever you got to do to get people in that stadium. We're going to have that stadium rocking for the interim coach Cornhuskers. I, I love Big Ten football guys. <laughs> uh, <so>. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> and and, and, and then... television
3: executives. We love them too.
1: We, we yeah. love them a whole, whole lot. <laughs>
2: I will just say, let me just read off the rest of their schedule and and you can go to your thing you can cut whatever. Um, They go to Purdue, uh, which again, that time for that is TBD. Let's assume it's noon. Let's assume everything else for this is noon. (laughs) Um, They go to Nebraska. They're not going to win that. Uh, Minnesota, they're not going to win that. Michigan, they're not going to win that. Wisconsin, oh. Wisconsin, they're gonna. We're not gonna win. Wisconsin's gonna beat Nebraska. Yeah, Wisconsin's (laughs) gonna beat them. I think Um, Brill and
3: Allen, with like seven men on the field, could beat Nebraska. So yeah,
2: that is true. That is true. Um, and then they finish out uh at Kinnick. That they could literally aside, they could lose out. They could easily. They may not. This is brutal for them. Like Rutgers actually might like Rutgers very solidly could beat them. Like, Oh yeah. This, oh, this well, schedule a is the, just the team so that they
1: played in week zero might also lose
0: out.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to be clear. Uh, maybe, maybe Nebraska is my team of the week again. Uh, forget what I said earlier about Wisconsin. They're my team of the week because, Oh my God, like they didn't even play this week, but I'm just looking at what's happening after this for them. And it's so upsetting. Okay. Anyway, is, Ace, here's your thing.
1: It is <laughs> even worse for Northwestern. First of all, uh, which the thing that is going to make us feel worse about both teams is I just calculated Northwestern's yards per play on offense. If you remove the Nebraska game when they averaged 6.2 yards per play and racked up 528 yards of offense. incredible <laughs> shit. Um, since then they have played Duke Southern Illinois and Miami of Ohio lost all three games and averaged 4.9 yards of play on offense. No. This is disgusting That's against gross. that schedule. Um, wow. And mm. now, uh, I'm sorry, we're doing a lot of schedule reading, so I'm going to do my uh, uh, points bet disclaimer uh, voice. Um, The rest of Northwestern's schedule, at Penn State, home against Wisconsin, at Maryland, at Iowa, hosting Ohio State, at Minnesota, at Purdue, and then hosting Illinois in a rivalry game that Illinois is going to be keyed up for, and they are just definitively better than Northwestern as a football team this year. If Northwestern wins another game this year, I will be genuinely surprised. Wow. Wow.
2: Wow. Like with Nebraska, I think it's
1: probably more of in the coin flip, maybe like even like 33% territory, 20% territory that they're actually going to lose out. I think with Northwestern, they
3: are just going to lose out. So I'm going to say this, right? This This is a bit of a hot take, but I think it's warranted. No shade on Minnesota, who I think is a pretty good football team. But with Iowa having possibly the worst offense in power five and Northwestern possibly also having the worst offense in power five and Nebraska having possibly the worst everything in power five, I think this is the worst Big Ten West ever
2: this, oh, this is yeah bad. It's, it's
1: way like I'm trying to think of another year and like in, in I think in almost any other year where it was rough like even when you got the like you know Northwestern squeaks through on a tiebreaker like it was not this bleak top to bottom. Illinois might legitimately be the second best team in the Big
3: Ten
2: West. They are. They are. I'm not afraid to say that they are.
3: I think they are. It's either them or, like, it comes down to them, like, Purdue and Iowa. And Iowa is – we've talked about them a lot. Purdue needed, like, divine intervention, like, three times to beat Florida Atlantic at home, which is deeply grim. Um, Their quarterbacks also hurt. Like, I – this is – I mean, this is remarkable, and and part of it's that Wisconsin is not holding down the fort anymore. So Wisconsin used to always be well, at least Wisconsin's going to win ten games, but like no, they're not going to win ten games, and they're not that good either. And man, I I guess I guess I'm sorry. Just that Wisconsin, I guess, could be the third best team in the Big Ten West, but the fact that I forgot about them kind of tells you everything you need to know. So
2: exactly, and and. I, I will I will just say, like, this does have significance to our podcast because this is such an argument for why we, we don't need divisions in the conference. Please get rid of them. Like, My we need God. to get rid of them soon. This has because, to end it, for sure. Like, this is yeah. bad. This is bad for, like, it is legitimately bad for the conference to but, have it be Minnesota's like Minnesota
1: is not going to play Michigan or Ohio State until the title game
2: right which, which is we're going to make fun.
3: because of that schedule yeah like how much more fun would the conference be if like you just dropped maryland in the big 10 west and they could maybe actually do some serious damage maryland
2: could win the big 10 west
3: yeah i mean that, seriously could. that's the kind <laughs> of thing where it's like but instead they're they're you know rorschach style locked up on the east with penn state michigan and ohio state all being top 15 teams yeah. it's just it, it's gotten absurd and I, I assume the conference expansion will finally kill this horrific chimera i will briefly just say today i was considering the whole premise of the big 10 west was supposed to be well of course nebraska will contend for big 10 championships goodness, Ugh, goodness. yeah
1: that's true uh,
3: that was some uh wish
1: casting on par with uh the guy who wrote that uh, uh newspaper article like it was from the future about scott <laughs> frost <laughs> oh that poor guy He's that was in my favorite now. thing
2: it was on Flipping the Field, <laughs> it and it so was read aloud. The
1: dramatic reading, uh, yeah. If you don't listen to Flipping the Field, go back a couple episodes and uh, hit up Ryan's dramatic reading of this this <laughs> article, because uh, he did what I would not have had the discipline to do, which was not read it until he went on air, and that is a beautiful day- way to do a dramatic live reading. It, it really added something to it. Um, very quickly, before we uh, mosey on out of <laughs> here, I, I want to mention that Northwestern, through four games, has fumbled the ball eight times and lost seven of them. <laughs> Stop. That's Stop a, it. There Unreal. are so many amazing things about uh, this stat page. Uh, uh, they also have five touchdown passes and three interceptions. Um,
2: how is How are we allowing Pat Fitzgerald? Uh, I, I, similar to the Paul Christ hot seat question, which, again, Wisconsin has higher expectations, so that's why I'm bringing him up. Why are we still doing this? I get. Ugh, it's fine. Uh, we can We, can we, can just we have end to cut that off
3: because because poor Ben can't handle that conversation again.
2: But I
1: will say <laughs> no, no. I, I need
3: just... him to hear that Northwestern has twelve <laughs> offensive touchdowns this season
1: and ten <laughs> turnovers. Ten That's... turnovers. And <laughs> 12 offensive touchdowns. That, that does bad? not include failed fourth downs, of which they have four. <laughs>
3: I mean, that's like I, – I, I will just say, like, I turned to that game very briefly and immediately saw Hilinski, Ryan Hilinski, roll to his right with great confidence and throw directly at four Miami of Ohio players. Oh, I don't know how God. it wasn't picked off. Beautiful. I mean, it's just – Unreal, dude. They the have also missed has. two of their five field goals this year. Um, they have not capitalized
1: on their opponents going three for nine no. <laughs> on field goals. Whoa. Um, yeah, no, th- this what is... three of nine, three of nine, their opponents have hit one third of their field goal. Attempts. That's like if <laughs> I were
3: kicking the field goal, that's unbelievable. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah, uh, also, uh, they have yet to crack 25,000 people at uh, home and they have had three straight home games. Uh it's it's dipped down into the twenty-three thousands the last two games. So uh wow. that's great. I am I'm, I'm sure it will get better when they host Wisconsin in two weeks. <laughs> um or three weeks actually. Wow, what a merciful week off for them.
0: <laughs> Northwestern episode...
1: congratulations on your bye week. Uh chances are low that you're going to lose this one. We should call this episode ban the Big Ten West. Because oh, it's the only conclusion goodness. we can reach here. Uh yeah, it really is. Um on that note, I think uh, I think we're done here. Please follow at Bucket Problem and at Meet at Midfield on Twitter. Sign up for com and use that uh, promo code extra to get 10% off your subscription. Rate, review, and subscribe to this year's free podcast. Use the promo code midfield at homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code BucketProb on PointsBet. Thank you for listening and have a great week.